Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I just want to take a moment and thank all of you for, for being here today. I don't express that enough from the front. I know there's laundry to do, or perhaps groceries to get, weeds to pull, whatever, whatever you know, we have going on in our, our life. Sometimes we make ourselves so, so busy, right? Um, if you guys came out, you're here worshiping with your church family, and I just wanted to express that, that thanksgiving to you all today. So speaking of today, well actually 41 years ago today, on June 11, 1982, the film E.T., The Extraterrestrial, was released into theaters. 41 years ago today, it hit the theaters. If you guys know the, the movie, the, the story follows this gentle alien, he's stranded on Earth. He befriends this young boy named Elliot, and this alien later known, known as E.T., right? E.T. and Elliot, they, they bond together. And this is a story that the movie is a, a heartwarming, coming-to-age type of, of, of story. It's about friendship and connection. And then the, the movie ends very powerfully and sad, for those who can recall the, the movie there. E.T., he has to go back home with his own kind, right? And then, like, E.T.'s final words, his, his fingertip glows, and he points to Elliot's forehead, and he goes, I'll be right here, right? You guys remember that scene? You know, perhaps, you know, indicating, hey, this connection, this friendship, uh, this special bond that Elliot and E.T. had, you know, perhaps it's going to live on in Elliot's mind, you know. <laughs> so if you, if you love the idea of, like, special bonds, connections, you know, close friendships and things like that, if, if that is something that just warms your heart, like you're all about it, well, then you'll love one of the Bible's biggest themes, it's covenant. Covenant. Imagine walking into a library, and there's just a bunch of different books, and, and there's history, and there's poetry, and there's law, and there's gospel, and apocalyptic literature, and so on and so on. Like, this whole big library, uh, all these different genres and styles, but yet, we can kind of put them all together, and we see one of the themes is covenant. Covenant. Directly or indirectly, we see this theme that comes up in the Bible. Relationship, covenant, bonding, being connected, family. Our English word covenant, it comes from the Latin, which basically means like to come together. To, to come together. And as we try to understand the story of the Bible, as we try to understand God's redemptive mission and, and how God relates to the world and humans, okay, so we try to understand all of this covenant is a very important ingredient in, in all of that. A covenant is this arrangement. It, it, it's a partnership. Two or more parties come together. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a becoming one, so to speak, in, on, on simple terms. In today's world, uh, marriage is, is the best example that just really gets the point across the finish line here. This, this idea of marriage, of like two people coming together and representing one brand new family. Old identities, they don't just disappear, but they are transformed. 
They were brought into covenant relationship. Now, in the Bible, uh, there are different covenants. There's, there's five main ones that you need to know. And don't worry, we're not going to do a deep dive in all of that. Um, we're just going to take a look at a little bit of covenant. And I think even that might be a lot for us today. Um, the five different key ones to know are the, the covenants that involve uh, Noah and Abraham and Moses, David. And then there's the new covenant that's ratified by Jesus. Have you guys heard of this, this stuff before? And so today, when we share the table, when we share the common meal together today, we are focusing on the new covenant. We are new covenant people here today. We are remembering the life and the ministry and the teaching and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who enables us to be everlasting covenant partners with God. And so today, this sermon is about preparing us for communion time. So once again, we're going to take a look at one little slice of the covenantal pie that's in our Bible. Uh, we're, we're going to be in Genesis 15, where God covenants, God partners with, with Abram. And then as we listen in today to the text, as we listen together to, to what's happening in the story, I want you to think about what is God up to? What is God showing? What is God perhaps proving, or, you know, just his character. What is God up to today? We'll see a God who wants to be known, a God who chooses to work with humans, a God uh, who, who does not abandon hum humanity, but he's going to go to great lengths to be with us. He's going to forge paths ahead of us. So if you're not already there, please turn to Genesis 15. Genesis chapter 15. And as you turn there, I'll give you some backstory. As I just expressed, God wants to be in relationship with humanity. And that means that somehow, somewhere, in some way, God will have to reveal himself. He's going to have to make himself known. So here's the thing. As we look at the whole Bible, what we see is a God who has a strong tendency to want to work with humans. It's very rare that we see God just plop himself into the middle of things without human involvement. He chooses a family to partner with. They're from ancient Mesopotamia, Abram and Sarah. And what we come to learn is that it is through Abram's family that the world can know God. It's so important, so important. And so at this point, God has been interacting, Yahweh has been interacting with, with Abram. And, you know, also part of this, this backstory, as, as we would see in Genesis 13 and 14, is, is actually this world is full of danger. Okay, we get to read the Bible in our, our nice cushy seats here today. Abram's world was dangerous. There's famines. In fact, Abram and Sarai, they, they had to go down to Egypt for a little bit. There's that story. Uh, this is a world where there's city-states. And these city-states, sometimes they get along, sometimes not, and they fight. There's a story in your Bible about these kings that are fighting one another. Kings of the ancient world fighting one another. Now, with that being said, we know from history and archaeology and things like that, that this is a world where, in order to survive, you need to make treaties. 
You need to cut covenants. Some sort of arrangement, partnership needs to kind of happen here because, let's be honest, we don't want to fight all the time. And so it's a, it's a very, it's a dangerous world, but it's also just very common. Hey, yeah, like, here I am. Let's, let's make a partnership. I'll show you hospitality. Maybe some of my goods can become your goods and we'll, we'll exchange. You know, we, we can be at peace. That's how we survive in this ancient world. So when we turn to Genesis 15, it says that like sometime after uh, the the stories of this of these kings fighting each other, there's a story of Abram had to rescue Lot. Abram, uh, Abram had his own military force, 318 men. So we won't go in, into that today, but that even shows you that Abram, in order to live in this world, he had his, he had his own like security guard and militia. All right. So it's a dangerous world. After all this had happened. It says, the word of God came to Abram in a vision. The word of God came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your great reward. So in a vision, I believe it's the only time that God communicates to Abram through a vision. In a vision, God gives two very important arrangements that this ancient world, like, like, Abram's ears would have, like, perked up here. Like, protection and provision. Like, yes, <laughs> this is, yes, I, I need protection, I need provision daily. Again, it's a hard world, it's a dangerous world. God shows up and says, I'm going to be your protection and your provision. So, um, let's put some of our thoughts down on paper. You have some fill-in-the-blanks in your bulletin. Number one says this. God's word can give you a confident vision of God's character. Because God is speaking this out. God gives Abram his word. The word of God came to Abram. And and, and God said, I am your shield. I am your reward. And so God's word can give us a confident vision of who he is. Because God does not lie. He is who he says he is. And he will be who he needs to be, who he will be, right? 1A, be confident that God is a protector. 1B, be confident that God is a provider. Do not be afraid, Abram. Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. God says, I will protect you. I'm your shield. I will, uh, I will provide for you. I'm your reward. God says, do not be afraid. You can be confident in me. God is putting himself out there. Life is filled with danger and challenge, and challenge after challenge. And then those challenges get together and have baby challenges. And you have, like, like life is filled with danger and challenge. But these are not empty words here. There is a deity of relationship behind these words. Now here's the thing. So far in this story, if we go back to like Genesis 12 and and, and rehash everything. We won't hear it today. Um, essentially, what you need to know is that in God's interactions with Abram, God is he's starting to like throw out some promises out there. All of God's promises with Abram, it's all connected to Abram having a son. Now, Abram and Sarai, they have no kids, and they are on the older side in life. They are beyond child-bearing years. They're mature. 
as we say politely, <laughs> right? They're, they're not having kids. Yeah, like, like that ship has, has sailed. And so, you know, Abram's like, okay, well, right now my servant Eliezer, he's set to inherit my estate. What can you give me, God? And God says, hey, 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 not a chance, Abram. You will have a biological son. Maybe from the, the, the King James Version, it says, like, from your loins, <laughs> you are going to have a son. And then God, he's like, let's go. We, let, you know, let's get out of the tent. So I guess this, is, this has been taking place in a tent. In this vision, God takes Abram outside of the tent. And he says, look up. Look up, Abram. Count the stars. Count the stars. If you can even count them. This is how big your family is going to be. Most likely, there's no light pollution here. Under the, the, the Mesopotamian sky. All those stars. You can see the Milky Way. This is how big your family is going to be. Whoa. Number two. God's plans are filled with purpose. And they may be overwhelming. God's plans. God's goals. The the trajectory that, that we're on. God's plans are filled with purpose. So Abram is, is looking up, and perhaps he is just speechless. Wow. Fifteen chapters ago in your Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, God says to humans, be fruitful and multiply. And here we are, 15 chapters later, God is trying to covenant again with his, his, with his people, with his humans. Abram's story is still bound up, still bound to that original creation story. Just a little fact to throw in there. So next, Abram, he heard the word of God. Abram heard the word of God. He was listening. Abram believed God. God's word became faith in his heart. Let me say that again. God's word became faith in his heart. And he's like, okay, God, you got this. Abram is trusting in God. Sometimes in marriage life, Jess and I don't always get along. Sometimes, however, like, it's a really good feeling to have a partner that, like, you can just trust and say, like, okay, you got this. Like, I trust your vision. Like, if you want to get the, the bedroom set or repaint what we have, I, I trust, I trust your vision. Like, totally. I'll, I'll give some input, but it's, it's like, there's, there's just something there, something really deep that is just like, I trust Jess with her vision. You know? That's a really good feeling. And in and, and, and our story here, you know, something cool is, is starting to happen. It, it seems like Abram is trusting God as if they're already covenantal partners. As if he's already, like, in this covenantal relationship with them. He's like, hey, my covenantal partner is going out on a limb. And because of the, the nature and foundation of our relationship, I'm going to trust my partner. So number three, God's message God's message can become faith in your heart if you listen to God's message. The Bible informs us that faith comes from listening to God's message. Faith comes from listening to the gospel, to the good news, God's message, God's word. 
Abram received uh, God's God's word. God received Abram's belief and it credited it to him as righteousness. Now, righteousness right there in your Bibles, that is a relationship term. Okay? Right relationship. Genesis 15, 6 is massive. It's huge. Abram has right relationship with God. And so what's happening here? Faith in God's word and, and being relationally right, being relationally right with God, that is the foundation for this covenant that God is now going to make with Abram. So let's turn to that. Verse 9. God says to Abram, Give me a female cow, a goat, a ram, all three years old, and then two birds, a pigeon and a young dove. So Abram gets these animals together, and he must already know like what's what to do. He, he cuts the animals in half. All right, just right down the middle, splits them open, lays them out opposite of each other. He doesn't cut the birds. And to be honest, I don't know what's going on here, why he doesn't cut the birds or what's happening. I assume Abram knows what to do. Birds of prey start to come down. These are unclean, you know, birds from the sky. They're, they're, they come down, they're trying to get after the carcasses, and, and Abram, he drives them away. Scholars are, you know, they kind of kick this around, and there's sort of some consensus that it's like, this is symbolic for Abram driving away enemies. And so we have these animals. You have to use your, your beautiful minds here to imagine animals cut in half. <laughs> we have these animals cut in half, creating what author Mike Green calls a corridor of blood. It's a bloody pathway. And then Abram, he, he falls asleep. Maybe he's tired from chasing those birds away. He falls into a deep sleep, thick, dreadful darkness comes over him. And then God says this, know for certain. Know for certain. Those are good words. We want to hear those words from God, don't we? We don't even know what the rest of it says yet, but just when God starts this sentence, know for certain. Number four, God's promises will be made good. As in, Know for certain that God will make good on his promises. Know for certain. Abram will have a big family. Many, many descendants. You're going to have a massive family. Unfortunately, they will end up outsiders in their own land. Unfortunately, they will be enslaved for 400 years. But then, yes, God is going to rescue this family. God is going to march this family out. And they will not have a scarcity mindset. But actually, and again, we have to think like an ancient, God says they will have many possessions. And that's good news. Someday, Abram's family will not be without. So the sun goes down, darkness falls, and then a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appears. Maybe flaming torch is redundant, but a torch appears. (laughs) These are symbolic Images of God. Symbolic images of God. And what happens is the fire pot and the torch, they pass through the bloody pathway. They pass through the animals. Okay, what's happening here? God is making a covenant 
with Abram. Now, if this sounds strange to you, if you're like, this is one of those weird Bible stories, like what's going on, then like, yes, you are hearing correctly. Like, this should sound strange to you because we are so distant from Abram's time and culture. God is actually borrowing from practices. He's, he's repurposing, uh, redeeming practices that Abram would know. Abram lives in a world where they cut covenants Blood covenants and things like that. God is borrowing from these covenantal rituals of Abram's day, and He's putting a new, a new twist on it. He's repurposing it. These covenants typically involve some sort of bloodshedding, and I'm sorry, animal lovers, that's just how it is. I don't know why sacrifice has to be a part of the equation, but perhaps it points to the idea of surrender. Hey, something has to die. So that new life can happen. Before we come together, a part of us has to kind of die and rebirth into a new, into something new. And so, yeah, uh, tribal leaders they would they would be opposite, and they would pass through the corridor of blood. They would exchange places, and and um, part of what is happening here is, is it's, it's kind of like a symbolic gesture of kind of saying like, okay, if I don't hold up my end of the deal, may I be like these animals? Like what happened to them? May that happen to me? It's kind of like a self-cursing oath. All right. If I don't hold up my end of the deal, may I become cut to pieces? So a relationship, a partnership of two or more parties Come together. Now, why is this important? Number five, God's redemptive mission involves human partners. God is choosing to work with this family. God's redemptive mission and how God um, God has re- redemptive partners now who are going to help participate in God's renewing and restoring of his good world. Now, as I understand it, Abram was sleeping. It's only God who, who passes through these severed animals. It's kind of like God saying, Abram, you're going to have a big family. You're going to have this strategic piece of, piece of land, this place to call home. I am your God, and I will do this for you. God has a people. God has a place for them to go. God has purposes to unfold. And to restate it again, God alone passes through this covenantal corridor as smoke and fire. When we turn to the next book, in, the ex- in Exodus chapter 2, right before God calls Moses, right before the burning bush scene, okay, we actually read that, that this whole Exodus story is anchored in the fact that God is remembering his promise to Abram. And then later in the Exodus story, God goes ahead. God goes ahead of the people as a pillar of cloud. That sounds familiar. That's smoke. To guide the people on their way. Fire at nighttime. Also sounds familiar, right? God is going ahead. He's giving them guidance. He is setting the path for them. God is going to lead his people through the Red Sea. The waters are going to divide. And they are going to pass through that corridor 
that hallway, that pathway on dry land. God is on the move to bring redemption and freedom from, from the old life into the new life, from death into life. There is a passing over. So now let's, let's make a massive jump, okay? Let's make a big jump here. There is perhaps another corridor of blood that God will pass through. And maybe this is symbolic of the birth canal, the Christmas story, when Mary gives birth to Jesus. God is arriving to bring a new covenant into the world. So now let's, let's turn our eyes upon Jesus Christ. He took on flesh, fullness of God, and helpless babe. We sang it just a few minutes ago. Jesus is here, the God-man. Jesus is going to represent humanity far better than Abram. He is a descendant of, of Abraham, Abram, right? He nailed the law of Moses. He got that one good. He's from the royal line of David. His birth, his life, his ministry, his healings, his teachings, his discipleship, his once for all sacrifice, that sacrificial death. It fulfilled all these older covenants in the Old Testament. And what happens is that Jesus cuts a brand new covenant. In Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness of sins. We find purity. We are brought into the family. The, the power of the Spirit. Victory over death. And so on the night that, the night before Jesus was crucified, set right in the middle of the Passover story, the Passover meal, right in the middle of this Exodus story that they've been rehashing, right? Through the story meal. In this upper room, Jesus, he's eager to have this meal with his disciples before he suffers. And so he takes bread, which represents his body, he breaks it. He breaks the bread. Breaks it apart. He takes the cup. says, this is the cup of the new covenant. Cup of the new covenant. It represents his bloodshed. Sacrifice. And just like it was God alone who passed through the corridor in Genesis, Genesis 15 this time, it will be God's son, fully human, who alone will walk the bloody path for us. So there's a stark difference here, though. Abram got to sleep through all of this. Jesus is fully awake, fully aware. His body shredded, his nerves on fire. Taking on sin, taking on darkness, taking on the curse on the cross, Experiencing the greatest heartbreak in history. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Number six, God covenants are fulfilled by God's Messiah, Jesus. God's covenants are fulfilled by God's Messiah, Jesus. Jesus fulfills them. All these covenants in the Old Testament. And now he ushers in a new one. A covenant of, of grace. He died and he rose again. And he defeated death. And now he wants to share this good news with the world. With the rest of humanity. Hey, this 
Covenant of, of grace is a game changer. It can reach the most reviled by its transforming power. It can make anyone God's dear child. The Bible says God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if the message of Jesus, if the message of Jesus becomes real in your heart, God delights in that. You are declared right with him. You have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now it is the message of Jesus The message of Jesus brings spiritual provisions. The message of Jesus brings spiritual protection. The message of Jesus is filled with purpose. The message of Jesus needs to be preached because faith comes from hearing the good news. The message of Jesus will not let you down because Jesus is going to keep his promises. The message of Jesus invites all of us into an everlasting covenant partnership with God. So the good news is, you do not need to forge your own bloody path. That's called religion. Trying to cut through, trying to climb the mountain, whatever metaphor you want to use. You don't need to forge the bloody path yourself. Jesus has already done that. You don't need to be alone. Trust and believe in the good news that Jesus goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He is for you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Amen? And so now as we turn our thoughts to the table, the Lord's Supper, as we observe communion here this morning, may we reflect upon the sacrificial work of Jesus. I invite you, if you want to ponder the promises of God, what God is up to, making promises, keeping promises, if you want to ponder all of that, if you're hungry for grace, if you want to reflect on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, if you want to just simply turn your eyes to Jesus and just be like, wow, thank you. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for your work, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. If you want to do that, I invite you into communion time. If you feel uncomfortable with that, for whatever reason, it's okay not to partake today. And so, what we're going to do next is we're going to pray. And then I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to distribute the bread. We'll all take the bread together. Then we'll distribute the cup. We'll all take the cup together. And then we'll close in prayer. And then we'll close the whole thing down with a, with a worship song. Sound good?